Hi everyone, it's Helen Joy Butler here and welcome to this special episode of the Trust and Transform podcast. Today is our last conversation with a beautiful guest for this season two of the podcast and today I'd love to introduce to you the beautiful Roz Isbell. Roz is a human design specialist who lives in Melbourne, Australia with her partner and daughter. Through her work, Roz helps you know your magical human design by shifting your understanding of the past and bringing you into a new kind of present. Roz started her human design journey in early 2016 after being introduced to it by a friend. Within a few months, she was totally and absolutely hooked and for close to two years straight, listened to, read, watched, took classes and absorbed everything human design. It's given Roz the certainty she pined for and struggled to find all her life and it's now her mission to bring its brilliance to you. In this conversation, Roz and I talk about how human design came about, the different types and what that actually means, the depth and layering within human design and how it can support us to transform our lives. Powerful shifts and changes she's seen in the lives of her clients. What channeling has to do with it. What her inner room looks and feels like and so much more. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with the beautiful Roz Isbell. Hi, Roz. Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you said yes when I reached out to connect with you for the podcast. So much love and grace for you in hearing from me, given it's been a little while since you and I connected. Well, number one, how could I say no? <laughs> what a wonderful, what a wonderful place to talk. I mean, the, the work that you're doing is just so beautiful. It really is so enriching and, and calming and beautiful. And number two, I mean, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. So I, just for the listener, I had a reading with Roz, a human design reading back in 2019. And ahead of our conversation today, I've gone back and re-listened to that, which has just been full of aha moments for me, Roz. But let's assume, and I know we shouldn't, but let's think that maybe some of the listeners haven't heard of human design. So let's start there um, and perhaps weaving in your story about how human design came into your world and what it is. Absolutely. So for those of you who don't know what human design is, and, and there are the vast majority of humanity have never heard of human design, but probably not the vast majority of your audience, Helen. Um, human design is a system, if you like, that is actually a, um, a symphony of different esoteric and modern wisdoms, including the Hindu chakra system, the Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah, astrology, all beautifully amalgamated together with 
quantum science, which is probably our almost esoteric wisdom, if you like, our modern um, esoteric wisdom. Um, DNA, um, our understanding of DNA and genetics and epigenetics and that sort of thing, conditioning, all of those sorts of things come together to create what is known as the human design chart. It's based around the information gleaned from the time of your birth, where the stars were at the time of your birth. And one of the things that makes human design different, I guess, to astrology, because that's another one of a few that are based on the time of your birth, is that it also takes into consideration where the planets and celestial objects that we measure in the the chart information were 88 astrological degrees, which is approximately three months prior to the time of your birth. So what we call that is our unconscious information. So we bring the conscious, which is the time of your birth, and the unconscious information together to create this pretty crazy looking chart that contains a whole lot of information about us. It contains information about our wisdoms, our strengths, our potential vulnerabilities, our sensitivities, where we're um, where we have potential for burnout. And I guess probably most importantly, and, and probably one of the, the major draw cards, if you like, for people to human design is that it shows you how you are designed to make decisions, which is a pretty valuable thing once you understand just how incredibly accurate and helpful it is in your life in creating flow. And another thing that is absolutely worthwhile mentioning about it is that human design is one of those things that once you understand your own design or once you understand the very basics of your own design, you begin to understand that everyone has a human design and that everyone is designed to operate differently and that so much of what goes on in the world, in our own lives, in our in our communities, in our homes, and on a global scale, is it's not personal, <laughs> you know. It's it's energy, because the energy literally shows up in the chart, and we're all putting this energy out, and we're all having it acted upon, responded to by others. So it's absolutely the most amazing thing to come into my life other than my child and partner. Um, it really has changed my life dramatically. And it's a fairly new system. So if you're wondering why you haven't heard of it, in um, in relative, sorry, I've got a 13-week-old puppy <laughs> who's got a squeak toy and he's been sleeping all day until now, of course, he's decided to wake up. Anyway, I, I, I'm sorry if you hear him squeaking with his toy in the background. I can't take it off him. It's totally fine, Roz. I'll, I'll, let, I'll <laughs> let the listener know that Roz has her beautiful puppy and I've got my dog and kitten and we've both asked the universe to please just keep them all calm while we're having this conversation. So if they it's hear squeaks calm. and things, I'm sure everyone will be fine. <laughs> Good. 
Um, so where was I? What was I? What was I saying? Um, yes, it's a relatively new system. So it was it was actually brought into being. It's a downloaded system. It was brought into being in 1987, and really probably the first 20 years of its existence were very much, you know, sort of because it is so different and out there, um, it took quite a while to, to grip on. But I have to say that I met my human design about six and a half years ago and back then no one had heard of it. And now a lot of people have heard of it. It's done an incredible um it's had an incredible increase in popularity in the last two years, 18 months to two years. It's just gone through the roof, probably, you know, since people have been stuck inside looking for something to do. So, and, and, and also and looking perhaps, for, for answers too. Looking so. for answers, yeah, and perhaps trying to make sense of themselves and their partners or their families or whatever's going on in their own yeah. lives because it's been a bit crazy for all yeah. of us. I'm a, I've recently become certified as a soul plan practitioner and I feel it's a bit the same, Roz, mm -hmm. in that it's it's been around forever. It's based on, you know, quite a an ancient system, but the way that it is in the world now is quite new and perhaps unusual and maybe it's going through a similar birthing to yeah. what human design did, you know, when it first came out in the, the late 80s. And so we need these things so much. We, we do. Them. We do. Could we, and the question I want to ask you, because I think this will help um, explain what we literally just said around it makes more sense, it will help us understand who we are more. What was Rose like pre human design <laughs> like no understanding whatsoever I know from having a look at your website you came across it in 2000 no when did you come across it Ros? I wrote it on uh, something else I think it was 2016 yeah, yeah I think very that's early right. 2016 yeah 2016 and then you spent a couple of years really diving into it reading or you could you know connecting with it and all of that so I imagine from 2018 and on, onwards you were really immersed in your human design. Yeah. So, and that would take a lot of trust. I mean, we're on the Trust and Transform podcast, right, and we're wanting to look at how we can trust ourselves to transform and step into more of who we're meant to be. So what was Roz pre-human design and then Roz now? It's interesting, Helen. I've, there's been a few iterations of me part of my design <laughs> the way that I'm designed with with um, my open g center for those of you who are following along with your charts um, and so I've I've had a few different careers I certainly lived all over the place when I was a kid um, my parents were school teachers and we traveled all over the, the countryside to different schools and so I was a quiet kid unassuming I'm not sure that people held out a whole lot of not not hope in me I was wasn't hopeless by any sense of the imagination but I certainly I certainly wasn't putting myself out there I was very shy which is also part of my design believe it or not and then I started work and I got a job that I shouldn't have got I wanted this job I manifested this job you know I didn't realize that my chances of getting it were as slim as they were but I got it and then found out afterwards and 
I sort of work to the point of my own potential, you know, the, what is it, the Peter principle, <laughs> and uh, got burnt out. And that was uh, that was me, in retrospect, looking back now, doing the reverse engineering that I so often ask my clients to do. That was me, um, you know, it needed to end. It, what I was doing needed to finish. Um, and then I... I got another, I got other opportunities, but really the big one in my life where I worked, I worked in the wine industry. I'd always had a really strong interest in the wine industry. There was a romance about it. My, my parents, as you know, on their weekends off, they, they would take us as a family to the different wine regions. And you can imagine, we're talking 45 years ago so they were definitely in their infancy and there was a real romance about it it wasn't like it is now at all and I wanted to be a winemaker and no kid no 15 year old back then wanted to be a winemaker um and I realized I wasn't any good at chemistry blah 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 and went on to do something else but I'd always had this in interest in wine and so I was um I was actually made redundant the universe stepping in, doing what it was supposed to do. I was made redundant in a role that I had, which I hated, didn't enjoy it all. And um, I got a job in a in the wine industry, basically. And it I escalated up through it very quickly. Also part of my design to be recognized for my for my leadership potential, but it part of my unconscious design. So I didn't didn't know that that was who I was and couldn't work out why I kept getting offered, you know, more opportunities and more management role. And um, so I finished up with probably my ideal job. It was amazing. I was working for the biggest wine company in Australia, in a um, state, state management role, looking after restaurants and, you know, sponsorships and all that sort of stuff so I was out more drinking great wines than I was at home <laughs> eating meals at home and that was great for when it was there my life was in flow and you know I was behaving exactly as I was designed to behave back then I didn't know it of course but I was anyway um I decided I'd met the right person and and decided it was time to start a family and so I left that job because it was not conducive to having a you know conceiving a child let alone bringing one up and um that's kind of where things went a little bit pear-shaped aside from the fact that I had the most beautiful child as a result of that who's now 15 years old um for me personally that's kind of where things stalled a little bit once again part of my design I, I am designed and I hope you don't mind me saying this Helen as you are um, as well we there's some similarities with our human designs where um, our families are incredibly important to us to the extent that they can stop us from doing what we think we should do to contribute to the family in terms of the monetary situation and the sort of getting out and being who you used to be situation because you just need to be there with your family. And so I was kind of, I, I felt a bit shaky, but in actual fact it was the universe doing for me what needed to happen. 
but that didn't stop my mind from getting involved and for me from, from me feeling way less than I thought I was that then I should have thought I was so I tried all sorts of things I tried tried health coaching I tried selling thermomixes I tried you know the things that you try that allow you to be with your family but that was me trying to make something happen and I'm simply not designed to make something happen in fact interestingly enough only 10% of us are the other 90% of us have other ways of making things happen and for for me and for 70% of us including you Helen we're designed to wait for things to show up in our external reality and and human design showed up in my external reality in the most beautiful way. It was it was really, I look back now and think, oh, it was just so incredible. So for that probably 10 years prior to me meeting human design, my life felt very wobbly. It wasn't. It was part of the process. I'm a huge believer in that. There were so many learnings for me along the way. There was so much that I took on in that time that helped to stabilise my family life that allowed me to, to be at home, not earning an income, if you like, um, because I was doing these other things. So it, it, it was the way it was supposed to be. But once I found human design and it got its little hooks in me, <laughs> I just couldn't shake it. And ever since then, it's been a process of me just watching things develop so beautifully as they come into my external reality because I am a generator type. I need to wait for things to respond to. Um, it's been a process of just watching how that all unfolds. And and I I just have the most wonderful job that I've I don't want to say I've created for myself, that the universe has allowed me to create for myself. And my life is very, very different and so much more satisfying now. And and that's not to take away from the time that I was in flow, working for the wine company, doing living my dream at the time. But that's not my dream anymore. I'm living the dream now. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I'm so so glad that you shared that experience with us, Ros, because I think that I certainly know myself and my journey. I can picture myself in those times when things were really in flow or then when things came out of flow and I tried to make things happen. Helen is very good at trying to make things happen, yet I'm not meant to, you know, show up in that way. Yeah. And I think... For me, it can be really frustrating because I am a creator, I am a doer, I am a, you know, get things done kind of gal. So I'm keen to know, like, what are some of those practical external things we might see that then for people like me, who's a generator, mm -hmm. what are those things so that then gives us permission to respond so like a yep. practical, you know, little cheat sheet because sure. I know, um, you know, for example, I could show up online and I could do a video, but if no one actually wants that, well, what's the point of doing the video, right? Yeah, so exactly. what are some of those exactly. little things? 
could, could I just backtrack for one minute before I talk about that? And I will. Of and I, only because I just want everyone to understand that this is going to apply, what I'm about to say is going to apply to about 70% of you and the other 30%, oh, my goodness, <laughs> he's fine. The other 30% are designed to, to do things differently to us. So there's five human design types. There's a man of the manifest type, which is that 10% I referred to, who can get an idea and just take action upon it, provided it feels right in their body. Okay, they still have to check in with their body. And then we've got the two generator types, the pure generator, which you are, and the manifesting generator, which I am. And they make up about 67% of the population between them. So we're talking rough here. Then we've got projectors. And projectors are about 22, 23% of the population. And then we've got reflectors. They're very rare. They're only 1% of the population. And each of those five types, including the two generator types, have different ways of taking action. The thing about the two generator types that they do have in common is that they need to wait for things to show up for them in their external reality, which is what we were referring to before. And so for those of you who are either generators or manifesting generators, you need to wait for things to kind of present themselves to you for you to then make manifest. That's that's one kind of language that we can use, but for you to then move forward with, take action with. So that could be something like someone saying, Helen, you are so good at X, Y, Z. You need to write a book on it. Or Helen, can you please create a course around that thing that you were talking about the other day? Or, or Helen, I've been listening to your podcast and I would like you to appear on my um, television program or on my podcast or blah, 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 blah. Now, they're all reasonably big things that I'm talking about and, you know, reasonably big, maybe moderately big. Um, there can be really huge opportunities that can present themselves to you, which are things to respond to. They can be the tiniest little thing like and you know, this is just an example of the way that responding can work i'm sure a lot of your listeners watchers would would um resonate with or would be members of rather would be members of facebook groups right and it's that facebook group where somebody puts the post in and says um i wonder i'm wondering what books changed your life Tell me what books change your life. And you're a generator type and you look at this little post and think, oh, that's interesting. So that's you responding. And th there is a way to do it. We won't go into it now. I can certainly point you in the right direction to learn more about how you respond. But um, you would you would read the, the thread and you would go, no, 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 no. no. Oh, that's interesting. You know, maybe the the sixth one looks interesting to you so you you have a look at that particular book you might pop onto the amazon website or your local pop down to your local bookseller hopefully and you find the book and you purchase it you bring it home and you start reading it and 
as you're reading it, you get halfway through and there is this line in it and you go, that's it. That's what I need to do with my life. That's what I need to do with my business. That's what I should have been doing all along. Oh, I can do that. I can tweak this to make that happen. It could be anything. It depends on what the line happens to be. But that's an example of you having responded several times to get to that point of you realising that that's what you need to do. You wouldn't want to do that thing that's just shown up in your external reality in the line in the book unless it showed up for you in that way or some other way some other way in your external reality. So very often we're looking for the big things as generators to respond to. We're looking for the big approaches from, you know, the multinationals or the, you know, even somebody to collaborate with or whatever. But often it's just a tiny little thing that leads you to the next tiny little thing that leads you to something a little bit bigger and then maybe something smaller again. You know, I often say as generators, we respond to the watching. You know, we respond to a pile of dirty laundry and we do it or we don't do it. Because if, if if our gut, which is doing the responding, is saying, no, I don't want to do the laundry right now, we don't do it. And that's okay too. Um, so we can respond to all sorts of things as long as they are outside of our head. And the reason I say outside of our head is because you can respond to a scratch on your hand. You can respond to a sore arm. You can respond to a stomach that's rumbling because it's hungry. You can even respond to a headache because we're talking about we don't want to respond to things that mull about in our heads, the ideas and the inspirations and the imaginings and that sort of thing because they're not they're not real. A headache is very real and you can respond to that in whatever way you choose to respond to it, whatever way feels good for your sacral, if you like, because the sacral or the gut reaction is what we're looking for. So does that help? Does that give you a, a it, it can be anything. We're responding usually as generators hundreds of times a day and we're not even aware. We're so good at it. Yeah, no, I loved that because I can totally 100% say that I have plenty of times been stuck in my head and I have been, like when I think of responding, mm -hmm. I often think of the big things. So it could be, you know, the phone call or the book or the whatever, right? But I'd love that you are essentially saying that we're, we're literally responding to our external, external environment all the time. Right. And it's just becoming aware of whether we're using our head or we're using our sacral or gut to respond to it. Exactly. So tell us about why it's so important. Do all, okay, firstly, stepping, backtracking myself, Ros. <laughs> I sometimes I'm about three questions ahead of myself. Um, you do. Do all human design types need to tune into that sacral? And no. <laughs> okay, so that's question. <laughs> let's start there okay so you know i said there's five types each of the types have a different way of going about making decisions the two generator types need to respond but even their strategies as we call them are a little bit different so the manifester gets 
an idea, gets an inspiration, gets a feeling, whatever it happens to be, and they, if it feels right in their body, tell everybody what it is they're about to do. We call this informing. And they do it because if they don't, people get angry with them. But if they do, people step out of their way or ask them if they can come along for the ride sometimes. So manifestors, their strategy is to basically inform on whatever it is that they feel like doing that is right for them to do. And they use their internal guidance system depending on what their authority is to work out whether or not it is correct. The pure generator, they respond to things in their external reality. If they're sacral, says, uh-huh, which sounds crazy, but it's actually the noise that your sacral makes, uh-huh or uh-uh. Remember when we were little kids and we used to say uh-huh, uh-uh, and then we got told to use our words, um, which is actually conditioning us away from the truth of who we are because we're very good at doing that as a human race. Um, so generators respond with uh-huh, uh-uh, yes, no, positive, negative, forward, away, you know, expansive contractive whatever you feel into yeah I really like the expansive contractive we don't talk about it a lot in human design but I think there's more than one way to actually get your response so and if anyone's interested um shameless plug I have a YouTube channel that uh Ros Isbell human design it's called and there's lots of videos there where you can learn about human design and um, some of the more you know, nuanced parts of it, I suppose, but in particular how your strategy works for your type. So you can go on there and find out how, how it all works, depending on what type you are. The manifesting generator is like a hybrid of the manifester and the pure generator, but they also have to respond and they also have to inform. So once they've got an aha from their sacral, then they have to tell people what it is that they're going to do. Otherwise, people get angry with them. But when they tell people or inform, and notice I'm using the word inform, I'm not saying ask, I'm saying inform, tell. Once they tell people what it is they're about to do, people just magically move out of their way. I call it the onboarding process. You get people on board. Sounds one way divine. or another. Yeah. <laughs> well, it actually is. There's a manifesting generator, and one of my greatest realizations. There's been a few along the way. Um, but in the early days, one of the one of the things that happened to me that made me realize this is a thing, <laughs> you know, this human design thing works, was this whole concept around me informing as a manifesting generator, and then just watching people say, no matter how mad or crazy it sounded how woo-woo or out there it sounded, people just getting out of my way and letting me do it. So then um, we have the, and there is more to the manifesting generator strategy, which I won't go into now. If you're interested, check out, check out the manifesting generator video on the YouTube channel. Projectors need to wait for invitations, which sounds really unfair. <laughs> they actually have to wait to be invited to do things and what actually needs to happen and is very important to talk about is they need to be recognized 
So a projector needs to be recognized by someone else who feels into their energy and likes their energy and wants to invite them. Because if a projector gets invited by somebody who's just doing it because they think they should, not because they really want to, not because they really recognize that projector for the incredible wise person that they are, because projectors are incredibly wise. That's just the way they're born. Projectors are, in fact, here to guide, manage and direct the rest of us. But they can't do it until they get an invitation. And so projectors will often be sitting around waiting for people to invite them. And what we say, because that's kind of, that can be a bit disheartening, especially if you're not in a good place. What we say to projectors is you need to get yourself in a good place. You need to be vibing high because, you know, law of attraction 101, what you put out, you get back. So how can you expect to get a wonderful invitation that's enriching and 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 fun and lights you up and turns you on if you yourself are sitting there in the doldrums feeling bitter because that's what projectors can feel when they're out of alignment you need to be working on your vibration and keeping it high all the time so we say follow your bliss projectors follow your bliss so projectors need to wait for invitations and reflectors who are the one percent they need to wait a full moon lunar cycle before they can actually make a decision on something. It's because of the way that they are designed that they are so open and so sensitive in their in their design. They need to rely on the energy that the moon brings them because the moon is actually the fastest moving of those celestial objects that we were talking about earlier. Um, and it goes through each one of the 64 human design gates, which are actually the 64 archetypical energies of the human being. It goes through each one of those 64 gates in a month, in a lunar cycle. So they need to wait a lunar cycle, sometimes more than that. So we all have different ways of going about um, making decisions. And just coming back to the projectors, because... I've got to tell you, projectors are very, very important people. We're all very important, by the way. So are manifestors and reflectors and generators. But reflect, uh, projectors tend to be a little kind of trodden on because of the way they use their energy. They don't have a lot of energy. They don't have a lot of energy, particularly when they're not being invited. So we really want to make sure that we're looking after our projectors and keeping their vibration high with them so that they can get recognized and invited by the people for whom they are for mm, I love that thank you for sharing that for each of the are there archetypes no. um well I guess you could argue it's all archetypical isn't it yeah we are the archetypical archetypical generator and the archetypical manifesting generator um we call them just for the jargon for jargon's sake um we call the five different human design types types yes <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the five types and then we've got 64 gates and we've got 36 channels and we've got 12 different personality profiles and blah 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 it's there's, there's so a whole detailed it is it's amazing it's quite, it is quite detailed quite dense quite nuanced mm. which is what makes it so cool really mm. um you know all of that ability to go deep with it but 
when it's all said and done, if you're following the strategy for your human design type and you're following the authority, so there is one more thing there, um, then, you know, you don't really have to worry about the rest of it. So it's just a matter of learning a little bit. However, humans being humans, we all want to know, you know, what does that 24 in my black right at the top of my chart mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be this. I want to be that. Like I think sometimes we see the beauty in something else, whether it's a different type in human design or whether it's, you know, in astrology, a different star sign or whatever, right, mm-hmm. or even our partner or our friends or our colleagues, we might think, oh, I wish I had that. And it seems to be that human design is able to hold up a mirror and show in return. And the crows are supporting, I think, because I'm not sure if you can hear them, but they're, they're going uh, they're, my, they're my spirit animal. They are well, absolutely. Every time I see my boys at the front, I know I'm on the right track. Yeah, definitely. So it's really like human, I was saying, it's like human design helps hold up a mirror. And I'm certain the more that, for example, we were to go into my chart, the more we could go into my chart and the more we could go into my chart. Like it sounds (laughs) really layered and um, perhaps maybe I can learn something and then integrate that and learn more and integrate that. Like it seems that's what I'm hearing. There's no question about that. Helen, it's um. I, I often say I could talk about your chart literally all day. I could talk about anyone's chart. Please, can we can we go away for a retreat day, Rose? Yeah, and you can just talk about yeah, me that. Is all day. my dream, and, and we're almost at the point where we can organise that now, aren't we? It's kind of been sitting on my backside for the last couple of years, thinking, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And we've got to the point now where we can actually do these things. So, yeah, let's do it. Um, but um. The other thing is that you're quite right in what you also said, that you go back to the information over and over again. So we could literally talk for eight hours about someone's chart and still have more to say. However, when we talk about your chart for 90 minutes, you come back to that information a week later and then a month later, and then six months later, and then 12 months later, and on and on. Because these, it's like a living document, isn't it? That's a poor way to put it. It's like a document that doesn't change. You can come back to it in 20 years, 40 years' time, and it's still the same. You're still the same person. You know, perhaps what we're talking about is no longer relevant, but the energy is still the same. And what we find happens is is this beautiful assimilation and integration that happens with you on your human design journey where you hear what you need to hear on the day and then the next time you come back to it, you hear things that you didn't hear the first time around. And then perhaps the next time you'll hear things that you did hear but you'll hear them differently because you've had a chance to take the information in at a cellular level and allow it to become you so that then it it really resonates for you. It really means something. Oh, my gosh, that's why I do that. When you, you weren't necessarily aware of that the first time you listened. I mean, I, I, I often say my very first human design reading, I, I've listened to it at least 25 times. I just keep going back to it and every time I'm almost at the point now where I don't hear something new 
but I hear it differently every time. And every time I need a bit of a, a jolt or a bit of motivation or I'm feeling, you know, I'm stuck I'm, or procrastinating, I've got, a, I've got a bit of procrastination in my chart that I can get stuck in occasionally. Um, I'll go and listen to one of my human design readings and it gets me going again. Yeah, I love that. Was that reading back in 2016 when you first yes. connected with it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so what do you think? I'm, I'm reflecting on maybe some of the people you've done readings for, whether that's myself or other people who have then looped back into your life for various reasons. Perhaps they come back to have a second reading. Perhaps they become friends or people you collaborate with or it doesn't matter. They've come back into your world in a certain way. Have you got any really interesting or um, open examples that you're happy to share about some of the transformation that you've seen having done the chart for that person, you know, however many moons ago and now? Because I know, so Ros and I connected yesterday just to have a brief you know, personal chat to reconnect because we hadn't seen each other for a little while and just to talk a little bit about what we wanted to share today. And one of the things I know that you said was that you channel a lot of information through when you're doing a reading for someone. So I'm really thinking how with both of those, it's kind of two questions in one, if you like. Are you seeing a big change with that? And the channeling of the information, is it slightly different, more supportive, helpful to the people that you're doing a reading for, then you know, if you weren't, for example, to channel that information through. And actually, Ros, I know yesterday when we spoke about that, we were really clear in defining what channeling meant because it does mean different things. Like I could channel, we were saying my high self, um, or we could channel, you know, our guides. And you were saying that your high self comes through and channels information through for your, um, your clients. Yeah. So... Any thoughts on that at all? Well, on the channeling, <laughs> um, I, I've probably only become aware of the fact in the last couple of years that I am channeling my higher self. I, I don't think I had a really clear understanding of who my higher self was, even though... You know, like you, I've spent years on this journey. You know, yes, I had the corporate life, but you know, I I I did an NLP um, program when, oh gosh, it was in the late eighties, and you know, I was reading Shakti Gawain back then, and and so there's always been that part of me that's been prepared to hand it over also part of my design I keep saying that don't I but it is it's very very clear in my design why I would have done that and and so I didn't realize until fairly recently in spite of the work that I've done even in the last 10 years that I had this ability to tap into this greater consciousness which I personally refer to as as God but God is my higher self. That's how I see it. That's how it works for me. I know it's how it works for some others as well. So I'm not I'm not trying to say I'm the only person that does that. I did probably originally kind of feel like I was tapped into Ra Uruhu, who was the guy that 
that downloaded the human design system in the first place. And I do feel a connection with Ra, but I know now that I'm not channeling Ra. That was kind of my naivety, if you like. Now I realise that when I get a particular feeling, which I have right now, and which I have when I'm on song, basically which I have when I press the record button on my client's readings, I tap into this flow, which I call the channeling. And to the extent that, and I know that many of you who do this will will completely relate to, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I cannot prepare for a session. There is no point in me preparing for a session. What I usually do is I will actually run the chart of a new client who might have booked a month ago. I'll run the chart a couple of hours before I do the session. I'll look at the chart and then I'll close it and I'll walk off and I'll come back, make sure it's going to be sitting there when I share my screen and um, when, when I press record. And then it starts and it goes and I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't know what I have said, which is a problem sometimes for returning clients, although... I can relate though, Ros. Yeah, although I know always and I have a huge amount of trust in the fact that even on subsequent sessions, the client is going to get what they need. And I'll often say, we might have spoken about this, I don't know, but... I will. I know that it will always come out exactly the way that it's meant to come out. And you know, sometimes a client has very specific requirements, and that's great too. That works. Um, that's their energy hooking into my energy and and working working with it. Um, but more often than not, it just flows and it just does what it's supposed to do. So that's the channeling part. Now I can't remember what the other bit was. <laughs> The other bit was because uh, we're talking about transformation, right? So if I can get my chart read and I can, oh, yeah. you know, reconnect in yeah. with it, which is what I did with mine from three years ago but only two days ago, right? Have you seen, and I mean feel free to use me as an example if that makes sense, but what kind of transformation are you seeing when people start to, let's say, claim ownership? of their human design it's well number one it's number one is there a number one one of the major things that happens is this incredible sense of um affirming is the word that's coming to me that doesn't fit in with that sentence but they become they realize that what they've been feeling about themselves all these years is actually right and so often we're conditioned away from who we really are I mean usually by well-meaning parents our teachers our grandparents our friends our employers our partners they want us to be who they think we should be. And very often it's because they have been conditioned to believe a certain thing. And so when you can show somebody 
who they are and how they're designed and, you know, what energies they have that allow them to be able to do a certain thing in a certain way and, you know, you're somebody who's designed to correct patterns or you're somebody who's designed to lead others once you're recognised as a as their natural leader or you're somebody who speaks with an enthusiastic voice, you're somebody who's into depth and detail, blah, blah, blah. There's, yeah, and then, of course, all of these energies intermingle with one another. So it's not just that one thing. It's everything layered on top of itself. I I remember, and I've, I've got, I'm sure I've got, literally hundreds of examples but one that just comes to mind which I I kind of am incredibly proud of and it might not seem like very much to somebody but I know what a massive impact this had on this particular person or their their reading they're actually um, did a, a, they coached with me I coached them um, for a three-month period and they were a projector a very very burnt out projector who had been trying to live their life as a probably as a as a manifester with generator thrown in so as a out of alignment manifest out of aligned manifesting generator trying to make things happen with all of this crazy energy that they didn't have and we worked together and we worked out that what this beautiful beautiful woman wanted out of her life was to go and live in the countryside and grow vegetables and grow a garden and have animals and as we were going through the three-month program things in her life just kind of changed around her and that's exactly what she went and did. And that's what she's doing now, living in the countryside, growing vegetables with her partner in a lovely little house with her animals. And you know, and I know that doesn't seem like much. And for some people who are you know, really wanting to make a massive go of their entrepreneurial life, that's the antithesis of what they want. But that was what she wanted and didn't think she could have and that's what a lot of projectors want this is called following your bliss it's not that she doesn't speak to anyone anymore it's not that she doesn't have the opportunity to give her divine guidance which is what projectors are so full of when it's invited out of them it's not that she can't do all of those beautiful things it's just that she gets to follow her bliss while she's doing it so that's just one example and you know I've worked with people who are um, really high-powered people in the mostly in the online entrepreneurial world, mostly you know women, um, and just allowing them to realize that they have this decision-making mechanism housed within them takes away so much pressure when they understand that if they're a generator type, they follow their gut. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, no. Oh, well, that feels good. Ooh, well, that feels awful. Whatever happens to be the way that they feel into that yes, no response. Um, and then also, it's slightly veering away from the question, I guess, but also understanding that not everyone is a manifester. 
And very often the people who seem to be able to do things that other people can't do and they're telling you to do things, these manifested people are telling you to do things, but you can't, right? Okay, that's something for you to respond to, no doubt, but what you're trying to do is make something happen. The manifester can make things happen quite magically and amazingly and we need them. Right. We need manifestors to initiate us. We need manifestors to get the ball rolling, to create the projects for us to take on. However, manifestors can do things in a way that most people can't. And so having that understanding that, you know, you can read self-help books that were written by manifestors and you will definitely get certain things out of them, but there's other things that they can do that you can't. When yeah, you understand that it can be really helpful, and their process mm. is not for everybody. Maybe I was just what was landing for me, Rods, is maybe the world was created by manifestors, and the, the <laughs> well, rest of us are just trying to. The rest of us are just trying to make sense of the whole thing, and it's, and but, wear, wear a manifestor suit. Yeah, when like I, I, I think the story that you shared about that lady is one of the most powerful stories you could have shared mm. around transformation. I know. Because, Isn't it? It's beautiful. Well, but also the long-term impact for her and her family and her community for a woman who is being true and honest to herself, to yeah. her heart. And even if we don't want to say the words human design, she's just being true to herself. Exactly. And that's just so beautiful we need more and living of a life of incredible abundance yeah. because abundance means something different to everybody and it's not that she's living the life of a pauper not at all the universe has conspired to make sure that that's not the case but she's living a life of abundant abundant happiness abundant health abundant lack of burnout <laughs> which is what she was enjoying when we first met was abundant burnout um so yeah it's just this it's it is a beautiful story and I'm very very proud of that and so so many others that's just Mm. one that I think speaks volumes and I you you absolutely tapped into the reason why I thought that was a good one to share because yeah Definitely. There's, there's plenty of people out there who are who have done really well once they've realized that they're actually not designed to push and make things happen and they allow things to come to them. And and you know what some people will say to me, Oh, I know I'm a responder. I know I'm here to wait for things to show up for me. They're very rare. Yeah. <laughs> they're very rare. <laughs> they're very rare, but they do exist. And there are people who have been able to tap into the energies and understand how it is that they are here to operate without understanding human design. There'll be people listening to this right now who will say, that's, that's what I do. I bet you I know what type I am. I don't even have to run my chart. Yeah. I know that I'm this type because I know my life is magical and flowing because I live my life in that way. Yes. And even, But even though what you shared, Rose, earlier on about when you were working in the wine industry, like you were totally in flow. And I guarantee I certainly can look at parts of my life and the listener probably there's too, where you've just been so in flow and you've just, it's only like when you stop and, and think about it with hindsight, you you want to 
remember what that magic source was that yes. got you there. And but there, well, firstly, there may have been a magic source. I don't know, possibly not. It just happened to be timing. It happened to be circumstance and people. And and I also think a bit like that lady. Like I'm remembering this time in my life, and I was um, 31. Just winding the clock back a few years, Ros. Not many. <laughs> um, when I I knew I needed out of the city I was living in and as soon as I made that decision all of the things lined up and you know within not very long my husband and I were moving interstate and then again moving back it was like actually no I I don't want to move back I was working to, um, to finish off a contract and so my husband ended up moving back on his own for three months and I stayed and yeah um, you know came back and then we just went on this lovely holiday. But, you know, when I think of those times, sometimes there was difficulty leading up to the decision. But once the decision was made, like you said, with this beautiful lady, the universe conspired and all everything went, you said, chink, 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 because like all the ducks got in a row and everything yeah. just opened up. And what was meant to happen actually happened. So... Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a beautiful story and I, I think it really shows too that we often have inside of us that knowing of what it is we actually want. It's just whether it's the people around us, the society we live in, the family expectations, whatever the thing is, there's probably thousands of them, <laughs> line them up in a row. They're the things that we allow to put weight on us instead of us going this little voice inside me this is what it needs and I need to feed it yeah so true yeah I know Roz that we're gonna have to probably wind it up we could keep talking for ages but um (laughs) let's quickly touch on if we've got time this concept of your inner room so as you know this is in part the your inner room podcast we talk about trust and transforming and then this concept of your inner room so they're words that came to me and I'm sure that you could probably point at my chart in human design why that that is Uh, but this concept of your inner room landed with me quite some time ago and so I've been playing around with it a lot and I'm really interested to know if other people have whether they call it in a room, whether they call it something else um, and what it might look or feel like energetically. Because for me, your inner room is and was this place that I went into to energetically declutter all the crap, right? You know, all the crap other people had put on me, all the crap that I put on me, all the crap that I continued to own because of what other people put on me. You know, picture the cluttered room full of you know gunk and dirt and oversized furniture and it's all a big fat mess right so I pictured that for me was my inner room and I didn't know that that's what it was until I'd gone through so many years of my spiritual growth and evolution and all the work that I've done to energetically declutter it and it didn't open to me until probably a few years ago so I, I wasn't actively working in my inner room to energetically declutter all of that stuff because I wasn't conscious of the fact that that's what it was called. 
But now I'm conscious of the fact that for me, that's what it, it was called. And that's where I was doing all of the shedding and all of the sloughing and all of the reclaiming and welcoming myself home. So have you got something similar, um, whether it's a concept, whether it's a name, whether it's a practice that you would feel fits in under that banner? So for me, it's it's interesting, you know, <laughs> you know, we talk about the spiral and coming back to places to revisit and that sort of thing. And my my journey over the last 10 years has been, you know, a lot of dark nights of the soul, a lot of a lot of dark in amongst a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of confusion, particularly probably in the first four years of that 10-year period I'm talking about. But even post my learning about human design, there's been, you know, these times where I haven't been able to move forward. And I I sort of, I have reached a point where I can, I almost see my inner room as this bubble or this container of stuff that I am able, it's got glass, it's, like, it's almost like a fishbowl that I can look into now as an outsider and I never used to be able to do that. And this year has been mucky. For most of us, you know, the, the the planetary alignments, you know, I love astrology too. I know you love astrology and I adore astrology. I, I'm, I, I adore human design just a little bit more, but I love astrology and I'm becoming um, more, I, I understand a lot more about it now as I go deeper with my human design work and bring the two together. Um, and I know that the planetary movements and alignments have been conducive to some muckiness this year you know there's been some big big stuff happening and I've got to say and there is a reason for me telling you this I've got to say that my April and May were hell on wheels they were horrible they, they were they were as bad as it's been for me for the last 10 years for sure you know Think of a bad, well, everything bad that could happen happened, not not to me specifically, but around me, around me. My old dog died. My favourite uncle passed away. My dad got diagnosed with something, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and on and on and on. I got really sick, so that did happen to me. Uh, but lots and lots of things happened during that period. And the whole time I was able to see that going on inside this fishbowl and look at it from the outside because I was aware that for me it was actually supposed to be happening exactly this way. And so I could sit there and be in the muck and say, this really sucks, I'm not enjoying this, but I know that this is like the, excuse the analogy, the squeezing of the, no, I won't use that one. It was getting the mark out, right? It was clearing things out because it was amazing. My beautiful, my beautiful old dog died on the 31st of May, right? So the last day of this muck. 
And it was like on the 1st of June, we got up. She had a very quick illness and she passed away. And on the 1st of June, it's like a cloud had lifted. We were so sad. We were so incredibly sad. We grieved so hard, but it was a cleansing grieving. And less than a month later, we had a new puppy <laughs> because we asked her to bring us, to send us the right new dog because we knew that we would get a new dog at some stage. We didn't think that it would be within a month. My point being, I was able to be, because I was able to look at this space, which I kind of call my inner room. And I look at that space right now and it's it's nice. You know, it looks good. It looks tidy. It looks neat. It looks organized. Also my chart. Um, it looks calm. It kind of looks, it looks like it's supposed to be right now. It looks like it's in control and it's looking out on everything else. I love that. that sense. It does make total sense. And the reason I love it as well, Roz, is, you're inviting us to think about our inner room as something that does get cluttered with the external. No matter how much work you've done. No matter how much work you've done, we've all, you know, we live here. We've got two feet on the earth. We have to deal with this stuff. Um, it's a growth opportunity, right? No matter how hard it is. But it can get cluttered with that external stuff, but the way we look at it can be uniquely separate from everything that's going on in there as well and knowing that over time like you just said like literally overnight it's like for you a light switch went on or off or sliding doors moment or you know the curtain went up on a new scene or, or whatever was like such a shift in energy and vibration for you literally you know boom mm. like that and so now you're looking at your inner room and it's much less chaotic and much less overwhelming and exhausting and emotional. But you'll know over time, you know, things will come in and out that yeah, will change that vibration as well. Yeah, but just having the knowledge that, you know, it's okay. Mm. And for me, it's a learning experience. For me, it's a cleansing experience a strengthening experience. It's something that I can use to help others with. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's part of life. And I think if we can be a little more accepting of those icky times and view them as an outsider, even though in the 3D we're living it, if we can actually take that step back and look at it as an ex outsider, it makes the process bearable it and and it a means to an end which for me is incredibly important yeah and I knew because I always knew it was going to end mm. I didn't necessarily know when I hoped that it would be at the end of May because I could see what was going on astrologically I hoped it would be then and it was yeah and yeah. it might not have been and that would have also been okay because I know it would have ended eventually yeah, and you're making me think, Ros, too, of another conversation I had with someone recently around things ending and the fact that sometimes we hold on to things for much too long and we the, the thing, the event, the person, the relationship, the situation has long happened, right? It could be 
weeks, months, years, decades even. But yet energetically we haven't disconnected yeah. from that. And I'm kind of smiling because that also shows up in the human design chart. Okay. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. The open spleen tends to hold on to things for too long. The white, okay. you know, you, the, the spleen energy centre is one of the nine energy centres. And if you happen to have that white, it's part of your, you know, your life process to learn how to deal with the need or the requirement to let go of things and it does tend to sometimes hold on to things for too long but you know we it doesn't matter how you're designed we're, we're all going to have times when we do we don't even realize we're hanging on to them we don't we don't even realize but anyway it's it's it's, it's, it's a all, <laughs> all there yeah it's all, all there, there. I have absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, Roz. I know you've already mentioned about your YouTube channel, so I'll definitely put the link for that in the show notes. But where else can people connect with you? So my website is called findyournaturalgroove.com, findyournaturalgroove.com, all one word. And you can go there and just find out a whole lot of information about human design there's loads of free stuff there there's videos there's lots of articles um, I have an ebook that you can download for free I have a mini guide to the five human design types so if you go to the findyournaturalgroove.com website you'll see on the right hand side a get your free mini guide um, and it's just a one page with the five different types and how they're designed to take action, how they use their energy, how they're designed to get to sleep, that kind of thing, because all that shows up in the information on human design. Um, and also, if you feel called, you can book a session with me. So I do human design readings. I do all sorts of human design readings. I do personal ones. I do business ones. So readings on your business and you and how you're designed to work in your business. And I do parent and child readings as well because what I didn't say was that when Ra downloaded this system, he was told by the voice that imprinted him with this information, that's a whole other story, um, that the system was for the children because once we as their parents understand human design and how we are designed to operate and in turn how they are designed to operate, we can then support them properly to be who they came here to be without all of the, the conditioning and the stuff that we had and continue to have in many cases. Um, so I do uh, coaching as well. So you can see all of that there on my page. And also I have a podcast as well that I do in collaboration with a friend of mine. Um, we talk about all things human design. It's called Essential Oils by Design. And, yes, it's a little bit about essential oils and a lot about human design. It's just that the, hum the essential oils are so good at supporting us in various aspects of our design. And we talk about those briefly in each episode. 
Perfect. I will admit to using a couple of essential oils before I jumped on this call. So thank you for sharing that. Is Facebook or Instagram yeah, as yeah, well? Oh, of course. Thank you for it. I'm hopeless at remembering <laughs> all of these things. There's too much. I have a Facebook page. It's called Find Your Natural Groove. I also have an Instagram where I'm probably a little more active. Um, uh, when this goes to air, this podcast goes to air, I will hopefully have completed a series of reels, 90-second videos that I'm doing on each of the 64 human design gates. So that's a bit of a project I set myself. Wow, that's inadvertently. huge. <laughs> I responded to something and then, well, I'm still doing it. I think I've got 23 to go at this stage. So, um, so you'll find my Instagram at find your natural groove and you can just jump on there and wander through those videos and then there's a whole lot of information prior to those as well um, that can help you on your human design journey fabulous thanks i'll put all the links to those as well but goodness it's made me think i want to really go back and settle in with my reading again uh, that you did three years ago for me you must definitely connect with that more Thank you so much, Roz. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much, Helen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.